This episode comes with a language warning. There's a few F-bombs, but they're all in the context of rock and roll, so there's not too much to worry about. The year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on Swanee and his hit, If I Were a Carpenter. Our special guest in this episode is none other than the man himself, Swanee. John Swan, or Swanee as he's better known, is the elder statesman of one of Australia's most successful and distinguished musical families. Swanee's younger brother is Jimmy Barnes, a true Aussie icon. There's also his other brother Alan, as well as nephews and nieces including David Campbell, Mahalia and Jackie Barnes, and who could forget, the Tin Lid. And singer and guitarist Diesel is even related by marriage. That's one hell of a musical family tree. Before we take a listen to If I Were a Carpenter, Here's a little of Swanee's backstory. The Swan family emigrated from Scotland to Australia in 1961 and settled in the South Australian town of Elizabeth. The three boys of the family, John, Alan and Jimmy, all shared the same bedroom growing up. But he said, you sound like Jimmy Barnes, you sound like, of course he sounds like Jimmy Barnes. Three of us grew up in one room, the same size as what we were in now, with a set of bunks there and a set of bunks there, and one record player that had a speaker about that size in the lid. And I only had what music, whatever music they heard is what I had, you know? So the poor buggers got to listen to the same stuff. We all listened to the same stuff. We all sung. Uh, I played a bit of piano and guitar, and of course I played drums, but the guys slowly picked up all of that stuff. And it it just evolves, you know. It's like if one of your brothers is a footballer and he, he gets quite big, you know, they want to be like you. And then all of a sudden they don't want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew some of the people that went through it, you know, that used to sleep there. In those days, you're home because we're a big family. There's six of us. You know, your mates would come and stay there and there'd be Steve and everybody else. You know, the guy that round the corner was Glenn Shorick. The cliched story is usually about a teenage kid running away to join the circus, but true to form, Swanee ran away to join a rock and roll band, and not a bad one at that. At just 13 years of age, Swanee got the job as the drummer in the backing band for one of the country's biggest female stars of the time, Lynn Randell. By the time I was 13, I had run away from home, from, from Elizabeth, and went to Melbourne and joined Lynn Randell's band. You know, we got hired, uh, three young guys from, from Elizabeth got hired by Lynn Randell's management with lots of help from Colin Hewitt and people like that. Um, Bobby and Laurie, they had that song Hitchhiker, you know, and they just seen me and they said, oh, you know, too, you're too young to be doing this. You come with us. Then they took me under their wing, guys that Billy Thorpe and that would protect you. Max Merritt, you know, you, they're sort of like big brothers. Swanee then spent two years in the army, 
He even managed to go absent without leave. I went AWOL with Billy Thorpe from the army. I was locked up in uh, what's only a retention centre in Melbourne. And Billy came along to play, and I said to the sergeant, "Oh, you've got to let me go and see him. You know, you got to." Let-. He said, "You promised me you'd be good, and that you, and I said, yeah, 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 yeah." So I met Norm Sweeney, uh, Billy's roadie, and he sort of come out back and meet me. Went out the back and said, "Hi, Billy. Hi." He said, "Oh, wow, kind of." This way, do you know? I said, "I'm in, I'm locked up. It's what retention centre." And they went, "Oh, fuck that. Get in the back of the truck," <laughs> and I was gone. You know, but they catch you a couple of days later. But I had a couple of days out. Freedom was fantastic. You know, getting in the, you know, you're hanging around with Billy Thorpe again. <laughs> Swanee then spent time as the lead singer for the newly reformed band Black Feather. The band, now going under the new name of Feather, released the single Girl Trouble. He also spent time in the band Southern Cross with the Masters Apprentices legend Jim Keyes. Swanee was also a member of Fraternity, a progressive rock band that lived on a farm in the Adelaide Hills. Fraternity's members included his brother Jimmy as well as future ACDC lead singer Bon Scott. I was a painter and docker as well at part-time and so was Bon. So we actually lived together, worked together and did everything together and sort of that's how Fraternity was. Fraternity was just we went and worked as painters and dockers to keep the house together for the kids because their kids were all there, you know. When the legendary Australian band Cold Chisel was being formed, Swanee also played a role in the recruitment of the band's members. After knocking back Don Walker's offer to join the band as lead singer, he then pushed his younger brother Jimmy's obvious vocal credentials. I was working drumming in a band with Don Walker and singing and, and Don Walker said, do you want to come and join the band? And I went, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of doing this. I'm getting $25 a week for doing this. This is huge, you know. I, was, I went along to the Women's Liberation Hall in Adelaide and heard the auditions and I took Steve Preswich there to get the gig and, of course, Jim. All due respect, I was the first choice, you know, but Jimmy fitted it better. And I get to see my brother get on stage which is was the dream when I I thought you know he would never get to the heights that I got to you know and I don't think he did either quite honestly and when they did it was just the best thing in the world because there's nothing finer than to stand there and look at your little brother up on stage and say you're a fucking nail on it my man you know the trouble is we're too much alike you know we're very much alike and sometimes that can be the heads clash because of that because oh you know like you're standing on my territory boy you know like this ain't your territory boy <laughs> don't ever call me boy <laughs> it does never change from being dawn from the day i met him to today he's still exactly the same man he's doesn't suffer fools but he's the kindest man i know you know, and he's also a very, very smart man. You know, you don't have to look at his pedigree to realize that. And the, his songwriting—it goes way, way beyond anything that you can, because he researches it. And the other guys became, you know, Steve Preswich when the war is over, Flame Trees. You know, like they're just so. See, I love Steve Preswich. He was like my—he was like a brother. We were drinking partners, and he's a scouser, so we had the same sort of accents. And it, you know, we come from the same neck of the woods, and we had the same bad tempers. You know, we could punch each other out and not get to worry about it. You know, like you just get on with it the next day. Both drummers, 
So we'd play lots of Billy Corbin and lots of stuff like that, you know, like, and, and we both sung. So we could sit around his place and just sing and sing and sing all of the stuff that his mum had from Liverpool and that nobody had here, you know. Swanee's partying days are legendary, but are now, thankfully for him, long gone. But he sure knew how to have a big night out. Later on, he would go on to front the band The Party Boys and again top the charts. But that's for another episode. Luckily, Swanee somehow survived his attempt at rock and roll self-destruction. Sadly, others from the era weren't so fortunate, like his good mate, Bon Scott. It wasn't all glory. It wasn't all great fun, you know. I was sponsored by a brewery, and they paid me $100,000 a year just to drink their product. But I was an alcoholic. (laughs) You know, it's like putting fire in and saying, you know, here's a petrol station for you, you know. (laughs) But I also had, you know, cocaine and and speed and stuff like that to keep me going because the drink, you would take the speed to, to try and keep you awake so that you wouldn't think I was drinking and the cocaine to balance it out so you wouldn't talk too much. It's just this bullshit regime, you know, and it's got nothing to do with music. If I Were a Carpenter was written by American singer songwriter Tim Harden and released in 1967. If I were a carpenter, or you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? The song has since been covered by a who's who of music, including Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, Joan Baez, and Bobby Darren. One of the most successful versions has been by the Four Tops. When recording his second album, This Time It's Different, Swanee decided to put his own spin on the song. I heard Tim Harden do it. I heard the Four Tops do it. And at that stage, with a little help from my friends, it had just been done by Cocker. And I listened to the Beatles version, and I listened to Cocker's version. And when I listened to uh, If I Were a Carpenter, I couldn't hear it in that light anymore. I needed to take it into the realms of where Cocker took that. Oh, Leon Russell took it into for Cocker, you know. So I went to the band and said, this is how I want it done. And they said, yeah, okay. Swanee's rock vocals are up there with our very best. And when it came to recording, he would surround himself with the country's finest musicians. His albums would feature guitar heroes Tommy and Phil Emanuel and drummer Mark Kennedy. His backup singers would include Jimmy Barnes and Renee Geyer. Sometimes when he was recording, even top-class international musicians would just drop on by the studio. Oh, yeah, there's lots of them, lots of guys that you wouldn't know about on there. Um, you know, uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears horn section. Um, Amy Lou Harris and her band came in for a drink after the thing because they always knew they could get a drink at my studio. I was recording at ACDC's uh, in the B studio. So they would finish their shows about midnight and what's happening now? What shall we do? And say, oh, I know where we can go, you know. 
got into the studio this morning because there's always a good drink and a, a good time in there. And, we, and I didn't know who they were. I didn't have a clue. I just, come in, make yourself home, you know. And we was doing one of the tracks and the guy said, I could use some sax. I said, yeah, it's too late to get a sax player in. He said, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got my sax in the car. I said, oh, down you go. And th- they found out blood, sweat and tears horn section sitting there, you know. So they came in and played on Turn Away, one of the tracks, you know. Like, And it's just... It's funny how things happen. And Tommy wasn't Tommy that you know now. It's a bit like Angus. He's always been Tommy, you know. And Phil, Phil was a legend, you know. When ACDC started looking for a new singer to replace Bon Scott, Swanee's name was at the top of the list. However, he's happy his mates, the young brothers, didn't come calling. Oh, I, I nearly joined them. Yeah, I got, uh, according to Mark Hoppitz, who was their engineer, um, my n- name was thrown into the thing, but they would have been taken on another Bon because I was equally as bad as when Bond died. Well, we all know how he died, you know. So I would have been a month later, they would have had the same headline, ACD loses second singer, because I was so close to death. It was unbelievable. I was, that's how bad my drinking and drugging had got. You know, obviously it didn't come about, because, you know, number one, I wouldn't do that to them, but number two, they wouldn't do it to the, the brand, you know, because it would break their hearts to lose two brothers in in such a short space of time, you know. When Swanee released If I Were a Carpenter, it would go on to become a national top five hit and also gain platinum status. Swanee believes one of the major reasons for the song's success was the advice he received from the producer, Mark Opitz, when recording the song. Then Mark Opitz put his stamp on it saying, you know, get let's get the vocals under control. Let's get this to sound like a hit, you know. And, you know, he said, stop. You're firing all your your guns off at once. He said, pull back a bit in the first verse, second verse, build it up a bit, third verse, give me your balls out, you know. And he said, let let it, if you start off there, blaring, you're going to run out of bullets by the end of it, you know. Like, And I thought, well, that's not the way Bond does it, you know. And he was Bond's producer, and he said, no, he said, this is the way we did it. And I'm like, so, okay, fine. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's Swanee, and if I were a carpenter.
Thanks for listening to Awesome Aussie Songs, and thanks to Swanee for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it, girl. I know